Hey everyone, and welcome to an eventful life with Brad Cox and Shane Buzzer. I'm Brad. And I'm Shane. An eventful life is the podcast where we take you on a journey through eventful lives of inspirational event leaders from around the world. That's right, Brad. We'll be sharing their stories, impact, and insight into the complex world of events. So if you like these stories, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your mates. This is An Eventful Life. Buzz, how are you today, mate? I'm good, Brad. How are you doing? Very, very well. What's been happening in your world this week? Uh, I'm going to Adelaide tomorrow, which I'm pretty excited about. Nice. Change uh, of scenery. Change of scenery. I mean, yeah, I may as well be going to a country town, but I'm excited. Adelaide, gather around. It's going to all be all happening over there with the AFL and yourself. What's happening? Easter? Oh, yeah, just through Easter, mate. I'm just uh, looking at chocolate and trying not to eat it all at once. But uh, no, it's been a bit of fun, so all good. Nice hey, one. I'm not sure where this one's going to go today, but uh, buckle in as it's going to be a cracker. I know. Uh, today's guest is one of the best blokes in the business and someone we love. Uh, Tim Campbell is a genuine triple threat when it comes to entertainment. He's starred on small and big screens since 1997, has performed on theatre and event stages across the world, and even tread the boards on Dancing with the Stars. His life revolves around performing and entertaining audiences. He has more frequent flyer miles than most people I know. And he's just about to hit the road with his brand new sellout concert tour. I've never seen him without a smile on his face. Would you please welcome Man About Town, the amazing Tim Campbell. Welcome, mate. Oh, thank you very much. I feel like 87 with all of that intro. And I can't even to be fair. How is that? Though? And you are smiling. Just Botox, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you very much. Hey, I am so pleased to be invited. Thank you for having me with this great podcast. Congratulations on it too, by the way. But, Thanks, mate. And to be, can I say, back at you guys with some of the best in the biz that I love working with. So Thank you. And um, you've got champagne here. So look, we're good. We're so say, good. Bribery. Yeah. yeah, yeah, whatever it takes. So, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm no, that it's great cheap. to have you. <laughs> I'm that cheap. <laughs> hey, mate, um, I describe you as an entertainer uh, as you don't really fit one of the, I guess, the genres or disciplines that we talk about instead of fitting into one box. So you're more sort of two or three boxes you tick on the way through. So from your TV, film, theatre, recording artist, MC, hosting or whatever you wanted to say, how do you describe what you do and how do you juggle and prioritise such a workload? <laughs> what's what's on LinkedIn? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. Um, I Well, look, what do you put on when you go through immigration? I put entertainer, so you're right. Yeah. Because yeah. how else do I do it? I've, I've, and I shouldn't say to guys who I work with because I put my invoice in, but I've been faking, faking my way for years. <laughs> That's faking my way for years. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I've just been very lucky to cross different mediums in entertainment and and kind of even started back when I was late teens. So I didn't really train anything, to be honest. I just kind of said, I want to try that and I want to give that a go. And and screen acting was probably the first level of performing that I did. Oh, sorry, I played a trombone in the school band. There you go. Oh, that's important, <laughs> mate. We've all been in the brass band. Yeah, yeah. That's all they so, had. You're either part of the dance group or the school band. Yeah. So. yeah. Is, that, is, um, that, is that where it started? And is, like, was there anything specific you saw that went, shit, that's awesome. I want to do that. Yes. I don't know. And the weird thing, I have, there's nothing like in my background at, at in home, you know, dad's a banker and my brother's yeah. an accountant, and um, I became a performer, so that makes sense. Um, <laughs> Absolutely, you oh, hang on, Campbelltown. Hang on, I've got two cousins that were in Manpower, so we oh, are, we are a showbiz family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> More Botox in there. <laughs> no, um, there was nothing. I, I just maybe I don't know. But obviously, something inside of me said I wanted to perform, and the only thing available at Campbelltown High School, mm-hmm. the old you know western suburbs of Sydney. Yeah was uh, to join the band and I, I joined the band and they said, you know, what would you like to play? And I chose the tuba to start with because that was the biggest. And I thought, well, I want to play, yeah, yeah. play the biggest yeah. instrument. That's the coolest. you got to carry it around, mate. And I play the euphonium. Not only, do I do, yeah, <laughs> not only did I carry it around and when you go and play at Martin Place or you yeah. play in, you know, in the city, 
Uh, then I realized that you only play five notes as well. So yeah. I was bored. Yeah. Yeah, that shit. Shit. So yeah, so um, so I changed to trombone. I thought the embouchure can yeah, go down a little bit to the yeah, trombone, yeah. and um, and so anyhow. So long story short, that uh, you know when we had variety nights at school, I was the one that wrote the comedy sketches to fill in between the dance troupe and the band, and um, and, and, and delivering it as well. Yeah, 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 and got a couple of mates together, and we kind of did these little things because that's the school didn't even do musicals. So yeah, right. um, so I don't, I don't, and I just kept. I don't know why. It was, well, I guess. I Des- love the irony that Destiny. you grew up in Campbelltown. Tim Campbell grew up in Campbelltown. I've well, probably been asked a thousand times, but is 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 there a story or is well, it just no? There isn't. And unfortunately, when I met Anthony, um, he said, "Oh, well, Tim Campbell from Campbelltown. This guy's going to own acres. Yeah. This guy owns his town. <laughs> yeah, There's going to be heritage. He's going to own castles." Yeah. No, um, I brought nothing to the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but although when I was doing auditions, I started auditioning for TV and and the casting agents. They always remember me as Tim Campbell from Campbelltown. So hey, whatever that works. was my. Foot in the door yeah, yeah that's it so was it in terms of that you know obviously the trombone at school and that kind of thing but was there anything at home was like was there music or particular thing playing in the household or no. how on earth did you turn around and go yep this is this is for me as a career i have no idea because at school i was i was the sports guy like i would represent the school in the state swimming and athletics championships yeah, wow. and i was the, you know playing the pitcher in the basin softball team and mm-hmm. you know volleyball and everything and playing soccer i was refereed soccer for years so i was the sports guy from growing up yeah more, way more than performing and so it wasn't until later high school that i discovered this and thought and, and and always i guess when you come from a background of you know very stable very you know kind of lower socio kind of area that performing is always on the side it was never going to be a career choice that's yeah. kind of a bit weird so so I always had this thing that, oh, I'll get a real job, but for now I'm happy with this. And it wasn't until after high school because I, I went from Campbelltown and very naive boy because, you know, it's a very kind of satellite city, city in, in Sydney. Um, I didn't even know what Sydney was. I moved to Melbourne out of high school because I got into the Victorian College of the Arts in the acting course. Mm. Yeah, right. Which they said to me, you're way too young, and I convinced them that I wasn't. So but to I was. Through, so through acting. Up down yeah, there, as an though, actor, yeah. Yeah, so, but to end up down there, so to get into VCA is not yeah. easy, but was that, did you get supported through the school program? Did they say, hey, you should go and try out for this? No. Half decent? You went, ah, oh, stuff it, I want to do this, so let's see how far I can go. I don't think anyone at school knew what VCA was. Yeah, right. But we also jumped a bit because like from trombone to VCA, Yeah. Like, what, what happened there? Well, uh, I mean, I kind of was doing the sport thing and I got lazy as, as, <laughs> as years went on in, in high school. And I, I, I went into this thing and I won't bore you with it, but it was called the uh, State Drama Ensemble. So the, oh, the yeah. arts department in New South Wales yep. education department had this and that, it was the inaugural year. So they brought together about 15 actors from all over the state, all state schools, and we come and meet once a week and we workshop things. So that's, that's probably how I discovered acting initially, but mm. just doing theatery kind yeah. of actoring, act, actoring. Yep. <laughs> that's the formal oh, technology. I'm an MC. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then, um, and that's what I've got, I discovered my first agent. So I started doing auditions for commercials and doing little bits on TV yeah. here and there. Yeah. And that's where it first started. I think, I think, I think the springboard for me to say, maybe I should take this seriously because even though I was making a little bit of money doing a commercial here and there, it wasn't much, but is, and again, why I did this, I have no idea, but I auditioned for a theme park in Sydney called Australia's Wonderland. And I didn't sing. I, I sang because I yeah, studied music at school. So I had to do a little bit of singing, but I certainly wasn't a singer. I certainly was not a dancer. Auditioned as a singer-dancer and got a role at this theme park where we performed on weekends and school holidays doing the 50s and 70s show and country show and Hanna-Barbera land show. Yeah, you can get away with a bit of passion. In, you know, in this well, that's what it was. It was always look at my eyebrows. They're yeah. the biggest thing. Yeah. Like that was so huge back then on stage. Uh, was was and so I learned on the job. I kind of told them what they needed to 
here at the audition enough, obviously. Mm, yeah. uh, and and it was literally in the first rehearsals I was watching. And funnily enough, I I mean, name drop here, but someone who was a lot more experienced than I, but Natalie Bassingthwaite and I oh, yeah. started together. So we traders, we were yeah. brought in, yeah, we were brought in together as singer-dancers at Australia's Wonderland. And in rehearsal I would watch her and watch the choreographer and watch the guy playing music to go, oh, that's how you sing, that's how you hold a mic, that's how you hold your body when you're did she do have a dance it? move? Did she have it even back then? Oh yeah, well she yeah. grew up in dance schools right. and that kind of thing. Yeah, right. So yes, she, she was yeah. she was trained. I was the I was the guy who should not have been yeah. there. No, Testament to you though, like to actually because we talk about this a lot in terms of education side of things. How much is done on the job learning mm. in this industry, and having the power to observe, learn, soak it in, take the good, get rid of the bad, and go, yeah, I can do that, and and then have a crack at it as well. And that's literally been my career, and and I'm kind of really happy and proud yeah. of it. I mean, like you know, I've sometimes felt like a bit of a fraud, but even to the point where I mean, fast forward to when I had my first hosting role on television, when they said. Oh, you know, because I think by then I think I was on Home and Away and I was hosting and I, and I took myself downstairs to say there was a, a, a the Sydney's version of Postcards. So I thought on the weekends while I'm yep. doing Home and Away, I'll do Channel 7's, you know, travel series. So I was doing that on the weekend and said, yeah, of course I've done this. Yeah. Of course I've done this. So they <laughs> took me on board. And then when they, they offered me the first kind of, I hosted the big game show on Channel 7 once and they said, well, you've done this, you've done live TV, you've done... Because, you know, obviously I yep. had, had the bravado. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah yep. Auto, absolutely I have. No idea at all. <laughs> Rocked <laughs> up in this set, this massive set and just made it up and yeah. made it work. Nice. Hey, you mentioned Home and Away. So your first role was back in 93 and I love this. You were 18 and you played two episodes of the character Brad. Brad, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what a great name for a character. Awesome, yeah. Um, but the next 10 years you, you, you did a huge number of roles in Australian TV, you know, Big Sky, Water Rats, Always Green and McLeod's Daughters, generally for a few episodes at a time. How did you find that time sort of moving from show to show? Was that was that sort of a constant chase for work or did, was that just your work ethic that just meant you kept chasing different things or did, how did that sort of organically Or even happen? your agent, was it? Well, yeah, that's what it was and I, get my, I guess I changed agents a couple of times. But, yeah, you, I was, by that point, I guess, I guess, yeah, Home and Away was the first one and I've, I've three times I've been on Home and Away. Yeah. One was when I was on there for about four years. But, yeah, there was two episodes, Brad the soccer player oh, from yeah. Yabby Creek. I was a tough guy, <laughs> as if. Um, and then sporting it. Yeah. Yep, there it is. Side of it. And then sporting once I think process. I played a, a flashback with Alf when we were at the Vietnam War or something. I don't know. Oh, it was wow. just some weird yeah. thing. But anyhow. But um, but once I, once I did a show called Big Sky, which probably a lot of people don't know, but it was a great – it was kind of like my nighter, I call it, because – I was on the show for six months. So I was a lead character on there. Yep. I it was with Gary Sweet and Reese Muldoon and these great actors who are very veteran at, at TV. Yep. So again, me, I can do this. I can just watch them at their their game in their medium. And Gary Sweet was so so great to work with because he was so he was so nurturing and he, he knew that I was pretty green and he really took me under his wing and just you know showed me the because because I had done stage on the Australia's Wonderland and yep. I've done theatre restaurants and all big eyebrows and big stuff. I'd really contain it for the for the TV he, screen. He always seemed like a good guy just to hang out with. Is that true? Gary? Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. I mean, look, this was back in the day also when – and I this is where I met Jonah Griggs for the first time because ah. they were together and married yeah. and then weren't at that mm. time. So um, so Joe, I'm really like really is that your love fault? Joe. Is that your fault? Yeah. Yeah, I, I break. <laughs> but who did I sleep with? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a whole different podcast. All right, on to the um, next yeah. question. <laughs> but – um. But no, I was going to say is that because I did that show, then then I was a gigging. So I'd, I'd gotten into the next echelon of actor, I guess, because I played a lead role in a yep. TV show, oh, yeah. even though that got the axe. It was played box. on a Saturday night, thank God, because I was terrible in it. But I was now considered this, so I was getting auditions for different roles. Yep. So then I would do guest roles here and bits yep. and there and 
and even yeah. always greener. I was on and off for a couple of years, and, that, and a few shows like that on and off for a couple of years, like all semi regular. So, 2004, you went back to Home and Away and you played Dan Baker, like you said, for 287 episodes, uh, about Damn, four man. years. Yeah. 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 Um, someone, someone does their research. I know, right? Every year. <laughs> People talk about a show like Home and Away being a great building platform for actors and entertainers in general. Can you give us an insight into what it's like being involved in a long standing, established, regular show like this and, and some of the tools and the skills you did learn that helped set you up for the future? Yeah, it's. it's I would say it's probably one of the best shows, like that and Neighbours and, and shows of that genre are the best shows for an actor, I believe, because it's such a sausage factory of production. There's, <laughs> there, it, it is. It's yeah. scripts coming and going all the time and they've only got a certain amount of, of uh, budget that they want to spend. So we would on that show we would have five episodes and you might only be in two or three of them. There'd be five episodes we're working on for the, for the location shoots at Palm Beach, like at Summer Bay and yep. the beach and whatever else. And there'd be another five scripts you're working on for all the in, internals, like all the interior scenes. So yep. all, and so, and then of course you have to have the continuity set out in your head as well. So you've got to be quite prepared for that too. So you'll be shooting those going between location and, and the studio and shooting different episodes to the point where, as an example, you might shoot me walking from outside a cafe at Summer Bay or whatever the beach town was called and walk into the cafe the following week, I would pick up that scene and walk into the cafe and continue the scene on. Oh, wow. So you had to not only – and there's obviously wardrobe departments yeah. that take photos and make sure you look the same, but you have to know – you can't you know, say happy outside and walk in sad or whatever else. Like you've got you to know your story and your context and what's yep. going on in the scene to be able to exactly pick up the rhythm, the style, the everything of it. So totally believable because when it goes to air – yeah, people see just see that and that, and they yep. think it's exactly the same shoot day. And you mentioned how, like, I guess you didn't use the word educational, but clearly it was, and all the skills that you learn. And people talk about those two shows that you mentioned about yep. all the actors and actresses that have come from those shows, and they get mocked a bit, but you know, fundamentally, they've produced absolute superstars. And and it, I guess can you convey a bit of that, and you know how that's come about, or, or you know what is learned on yeah. those sets yeah there's ex- I know exactly why is because because of those things where it's such a small budget and you have you might have 20 minutes of screen time to shoot one day and you might be in 12, 16 out of 20 of those scenes or whatever else if you go and do a movie an Australian movie let alone an American movie you're not shooting that much an Australian movie or maybe even a drama series you might shoot three or four minutes of screen time which might be they might do 12 scenes in a day you're doing 25 scenes in a day and you have mm-hmm. and and also you know, the scripting of Home and Away is very, um, very much just about it's getting the plot across. And so they're, they're like, talk, 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 because you haven't got moments of like this, you know, the unspoken time is always the most, the strongest in a yeah. show, but there's no time for that. You've got plot, plot, plot to kind of get out. So there's a lot of words to learn. So when you get, when you go from that, you can do anything, I believe, you, as an actor, you can, on screen that is, you can, if you go and do an American movie, I've done a few American movies. I'm bored yes. on those Hello. shows. So <laughs> bored. Oh my god! And yeah. they say it's important. I'm like, come on, guys, this is so easy. Like, so we'll get it done in two takes. That's really interesting because you know, obviously, as an actor, and you touch on the skill sets and how you can do anything you know, from that. And we've spoken to another guest who talked about the TV setting as far as the production team and how they couldn't necessarily transfer skill sets into events because it is so live. But you're saying, as an actor, bang, because I mean, it's true. A lot of MCs and people in our industry and in, in, as a performer are actors but yeah did you see some of that oh yeah yeah and and i can see it now in events for someone who loves events and this is my world um i certainly can see it i i can i can honestly say that 
you know, if you can read an auto cue in a news studio, it doesn't mean you can MC an event at night. Yeah, yeah. Such Which is what a we different, yeah. such a different medium. Huge and and was me. And for acting, I know a lot of people, a lot of stage actors don't cope on a TV set, especially a show like Home and Away. Yeah. Because in in theatre, you've not, you know, you've got all this time and all this rehearsal. We, what's a rehearsal in Home and Away? If you don't get it right in the first two takes, they've got no time for take, take three. three. Mm. Yeah. So you need to be on your game and you're moving on to the next Which one. Which is live, yeah. Yeah. You know, no rehearsals or and, and no make, multiple takes more to the point. So we're in a live environment, you know, in event land. It's like one take, that's it. Yeah. Whatever you deliver is what we're going with. Yeah. Whatever yeah. it is. That's right. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, speaking of the sort of, I guess, get you, getting you off the screen and, and onto the stage, you left home and away um, and you sort of beeline straight onto that stage as as the role of Roger in the Australian production of Rent. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> how you know you sort of spoken about it, but how was that transition from you from screen to stage? And was it a conscious to- choice at that time to go? Okay, I'm kind of done with Home and Away and and that role, and I want to pursue my stage career at that time. The the good thing about Home and Away, it's a great job. You're fully employed. It's yep. you're constantly on the go, which is awesome. The bad thing is because of the the scheduling, you can't do anything else. Um, so I did had I had an offer once to do a musical and I just couldn't do it because I just can't yeah. get out of the production yeah, right. and it's too it's too much of a sausage factory. And I mean that in the nicest possible way, but it's a huge. You, you yeah. mentioned factory that a few of, times, and I have to just have a double take on what we're anyway. Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. you got that image. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Keep yeah. that one. Um, <laughs> but um, so so yeah, so I made the conscious decision, and even that year as well. Like I'm the one that went and knocked on the door to Dancing with the Stars. Fully knowing that I needed to lift my profile a bit if I was going to leave the show as well to get yeah. out of the ensemble. Yeah, and right. So, yeah. so I knocked on their door for about a year, saying, "I want to do it. I think I can do a good job." They f- kind of weirdly said, "Well, you can't do it because you're a trained singer and dancer." And I said, "I'm not." No. So, so I, whether I don't know where they got the opinion from because you bullshitted your way through. Yeah, <laughs> That's exactly. right. I know. They told everybody he was. Someone some finally point. sniffed yeah. my bullshit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, because. Back in those days, like you know, in your introduction, you said multifaceted. But back in those days, you couldn't do that because you were. If if I said that I sang when, when I was growing up as an actor and doing all those auditions, I never told anyone that I even sang because they would go, "Oh, you're a variety guy. You're not a really good stage okay. actor, yeah. or you're not a good. You're a good TV actor." And they used to pinpoint that. Like, yep. and I, even when Enjoy. I was when I was doing that time, like when I did shout like the musical, so I did a couple of musicals. When I was doing PR for it, they say, "Well." So are you an actor or a singer? And I said, well, can I be both? Mm. Is that okay? Like, so it's, it was kind of a new concept even in 2006, 2007 that yeah. you could actually cross mediums and that's okay. You don't have to be skilled in one. Nowadays, people want to be multi-skilled, multi-skilled because they yeah. want to pay the mortgage. And it's not that long ago either when no. you think about it. 2006, 2007 is not really that long ago if, in terms of how the yeah. industry was running itself. I was in the so. singer closet back then as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I mean, we'll, we'll touch on this a bit later when we do focus on events, but that's one of the reasons why I do love working with you is because you are an MC, but you belt out tunes as well. And that multifaceted skill set that you have is so yeah. valuable for the guest experience as well and the, the producers you're working with. So that's obviously continued to go from strength to strength. And I we'll love it to too. Yeah. yeah, and I love it. And I've you know worked with Brad for many, many years. And you know that I used to call myself on you know the fantastic furniture on the package deal king. You know, so um, so I you know, there'd be events where I'll you know sing, and then my band will play at the end of the yeah. night, so yeah, I can right. take them through to the last award, and then let's open up the dance floor and we go. hopefully I've got them drunk enough. Awesome. Hey, rent played an important part in your life, um, not just from the stage career side of things, but also your personal life. Yeah, uh, where you met your husband Anthony Collier. Um, Working in entertainment is tough and demanding. Do you feel that because you both work in the industry that makes it easier in your careers to support one another, work together, understand the pressures each other faces? I know you, you know you do work very closely together and share so much. 
you know, how does that sit from a personal and your professional life? Probably the good thing with that is that uh, we are similar in our outlook on, on our careers in that we love what we do, like love it, love the kind of things that we offer audiences and what we do and, and you kind of walk home at the end of the night and say, my God, look what I do for a job, this is crazy. Mm. But we also don't live it. It's not it's not our whole complete lived experience. We have a certain separate life outside of that and because I know there's couples who've worked in both in entertainment where it hasn't worked and it hasn't worked a lot. Yeah. And I think one thing is jealousy comes into play very much so. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and there's just different dynamics that just – and also I guess a lot of travelling as well and yep. depends on the personalities. I guess we, we were lucky at the time by the time but we, we'd come out of – uh, you know, soon after other relationships and I guess what we wanted and also we didn't plan it by the way, just like it certainly wasn't love at first time when I met Anne, <laughs> that's for sure. But, um, and we were, you know, we were separate, separate anyhow. But um, and I was also very shit scared to sing on stage with Anthony Clear because, again, I wasn't singing much in my career at all at that point. So um, It doesn't come across. There's a great YouTube clip. You should have a look, Shane. Well, <laughs> now it's okay but don't, this, has been, this is 15 years yeah, ago. No, too, I was so. talking about it. Yeah, so oh, yeah, you oh, can oh, find oh, online. Oh, Jesus. So, uh, yeah, well, I, I, again, I'll be, you know, fake it till I make it. Yeah. Um, but, but, but it is good and we, we've certainly found and it probably goes outside of entertainment to be honest about all cards are on the table and we just open book with each yeah. other and we're very – we are very honest with each other, which is just works and, you know, communication yep. in many relationships, whether it's personal, yeah. professional, is, is a huge facet that makes things work. So it's worked for us. And and I guess because we came from different areas, like Anthony obviously was a singer and a better singer than I and I come from performing and, and acting and that kind of thing. So when we had to cross over, we had the best tutors and free tutors um, <laughs> yeah, available. But, yeah. but also from that, I think it's just more just a support network as well, yeah. just knowing how not only the on-stage stuff, what happens off-stage as well, that we can kind of support each other and – and how do you, Tim, how do you juggle and even have some balance with the schedules and the revolving door of, you know, both traveling so much to maintain a relationship and social life as well? After 15 years, traveling away is awesome when you're away from your yeah. partner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that worked. That really Stretch works. Out in the bed. Yeah, yeah, correct. Um, look, we, we, we have really made it work and you know we, we've gone through a few places we lived in in different areas we, we did this whole we had to tick the box to go do we want to do the whole LA thing so we unofficially went back and forth and lived there to a certain extent for about a year but um, I, again I think it comes down to what we both how we both see our world and our life like I say I love what I do and I'm so happy at this age still doing and still being able to make a career and a living out of what I love to do and and he feels the same way like it's actually quite a privilege to do what we do and our job is to make people feel good yep. and just have a great great in a, experience in and a different setting all the time yeah 100 like yeah. yeah exactly and and so and, and so i think i think we have a really good work um play life balance really yep. and, and and for both of us and whether that's that's also working together and it's funny we we've only recently kind of been doing more and more things together and probably probably just before lockdown and definitely in the lockdowns did mm. we do we we're always tend to keep things fairly separate even though we've always had the same band members, we tend to not do the same gigs or if it was, it'd be separate or, yeah, we've always, uh, we've had requests, you know, in the past to do yep. things together and we've kept it, especially with Anth, who's got a history of music and albums and that kind of thing. He didn't want to come onto my little <laughs> cabaret style world. <laughs> but, um, but, but yeah, it's, I, I think it's just that, that work and personal life balance that we've yep. really found that works really oh, well for us. And you guys do it exceptionally well, like, you know, knowing both of you and how well you can actually just, not necessarily turn it on, turn it off, but it's like Ant's got his land, you've got your land, but then when you do collaborate, it is so easy and yeah. seamless and 
yeah, there's no personal rift that sort of comes in. It's like you're in professional mode and that's the way you go. But And we also know each other's strengths. Like he, yeah. know, he knows. Like In fact, we're doing a couple of events this year where we're co-emceeing together and he's never done that and he's kind mm. of a bit shit scared but he'll be fine and I know that domain. But also when we sing together, like I'd still go to him and say, hey, how can I place this? How can I do this? And yep. and, and I guess the thing is too is that we're, we are fairly consumed in each other's life because we do rely on each other. So, you know, probably in your world too, like – Five to ten percent of what you, of our work is on stage stuff. Ninety percent is behind the scenes. Yep. So yeah. we're we're in each other's ninety percent as well, as far as all the lead up 100%. having to do with things that we're and you know yep. we've kind of really got each other's back with yep. that stuff too. So yeah, that, that helps a lot. And supporting each other through that process, I yeah, think is really important. You I mean you touch on the COVID stuff, and not that we need to go on about it. We all know what we did, but I guess you're forced to work together, and yeah. even more so because yeah. you're not you didn't have that time apart. You are literally there. As a couple, as a relationship, professionally and personal lives overlapped by the fact they had to. Yeah. So, and it was a case of we just made this not, but wasn't even a conscious decision. We just knew what we had to do, and it probably came out of out of that better. Yeah. Hey, do you find this industry has had an impact on other areas of your life you would like to spend more time focusing on, but can't? Uh, no, I actually like the freedom of, of the events world, and that's come down to. I guess the timing of it as well, like if you're doing a musical and you're doing eight shows a week, you're pretty buggered to do anything else, yeah. and especially because they're nighttime. And I was most say, you most can't events do for us are yeah. nights, yeah. yeah. So, and, and they are the, the peak kind of you know, days as well for events. So, I, and I, that's, and personally, even beyond that, I just prefer the event world to a musical or anything, anyhow. But um, it, it has given me space. But I, but, and that's also come down to probably experience. And I shouldn't tell you guys this, but I probably spend, generally speaking, spend less time on an event than I used to because I know I think I've got the skill set to be able to do that and I prefer that and like we said before I'd rather the flexibility on the night yeah. to go with go with the crowd go with what happens like I think that comes with experience so it doesn't 100%, 100%. Like, and yeah. it is it, it's definitely experience and, and I'm so happy where I'm at with that yeah. now that I can do that whereas in, yep. yeah totally Back to the stage, one of your most iconic uh, leading roles was Johnny O'Keefe in Shout, which you still do some, some numbers <laughs> on now, which is so cool. You've also played like, you know, Ferrero and Wicked, Corny Collins and Hairspray, there's a whole range of them. My earlier career was also in the sort of theatre area, not to that degree, but... Yeah, uh, tell us your roles. No, no, there's no roles. I was behind the scenes, mate. Show but us I, your audition <laughs> song. <laughs> they don't exist. He's, um, tr- he's trying to like... You know, leeway. Right, okay, get off us right now, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, but I believe a lot of the <laughs> the showcraft and production techniques, the storytelling on stage, you know, the precision, the time management, the live performance pressures are all like skills and knowledge, you know, I was able to apply directly to the more pure event industry stuff, particularly the stage-based events um, where we spend a lot of time in. Where does the music theatre sit for you professionally these days and, and how do you use that genre to improve your skills as an entertainer? Um, you, you're absolutely right as far as using the theatrics of music theatre or, or live concert performance or anything that involves a stage and good lighting or good sound into the events. And it happens sometimes where I'll rock up to an event and I'm about to be introduced and I'm, hang on, what do you mean you don't have like a, a walk-on sting at least or a voiceover or the lighting set's going to draw focus? Like all that stuff is so yeah. important to get the show on the road. and. First impressions last, like, mm-hmm. and it happens in events, happens in or, musicals, or in concerts, from a ceiling, yeah. or hanging. <laughs> yes, exactly. oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. But first impressions last, and, and and when you don't use those kind of what I find fairly basic theatrics, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it kind of it, ah, it sometimes can be frustrating or just surprising. But um, but uh, but what 
so I guess I've, I guess the entertainer in me going back, you know, 30, 40 years has just, has just happened to evolve through different mediums. And, and so that's what happened with music theatre as well. I, I, don't, I don't chase music theatre as much anymore these days. I guess it's more going back to that work and, and personal life balance. I really love what I've found in, in events. And mm. I, I, there's so much about events that I love and I'm not saying that because of this podcast that I, I hope that continues for many years because selfishly it has as far as that goes, as far as the timing that, that I require in a musical compared to working on events. Um, and also what events brings like that, doing the same thing eight shows a week. By show 16, I'm on autopilot. Probably by show five, I'm on autopilot, to be honest. And so yeah. it just I don't people I give kudos to those who can do a musical for mm. a year or two. I, I don't know how the fuck you do it. I could not. <laughs> how do you do I I, just, I couldn't. Well, whereas events, although you know, sometimes we I might I might get you know um, re asked to do a, the same awards night in yeah. 2022 and 23 or what have you. But there's still elements that are different to me. And it's been a year since we've done it too. So yeah. That's a really good segue, actually, because um, what I was going to ask Tim is we've talked about your events work that you've done without really exploring how that even started. You know, you, you did the acting, you did the stage performances. What got you into the events world, or did that just organically happen from a, a smaller scale and build its way up? Or it probably if you, if you want to, if you want to expand the events industry quite wide, it prob- yeah. probably started as. Um, instead of being a waiter in between work as an actor, I was the one hosting shopping center shows. Um, so, so basically, you know, if there, if there was a kids show during holiday school holidays or a fashion show or whatever's happening at a shopping yep. center, they used to hire me as back, living back in Sydney. I'd, I'd the guy on the mic and it was a case of, I can do that. And, yep. and whoever I met through avenues was booking that thing. And, you know, it's obviously a lot of it's who, you know, and, and the right timing. So I was hosting shopping centre shows on the weekends and, and during school holidays when I wasn't at Australia's Wonderland and, 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 and also I worked in, in um, uh, theatre restaurants. So, oh, and yeah, again, right. again so, so that was during Wonderland. So Wonderland yeah. I was doing the lovely family stuff during the day and at night time I was, you know, getting groped by hen's nights in fishnets singing Sweet Transvestite. So that's awesome. We again, might get into that. Adjust your <laughs> medium. Yeah. But, 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 but that's what it was. It was kind of... You can grab a mic and entertain them before the show starts, like on all the pre-show stuff, and you just adapt and make it happen and work. And that's again, learning on the job has been for me. Yeah. So, so I guess, and that's kind of a weird way of going. Well, I'm not hiring him to be an MC, but but again, it just adapted over time from from doing a lot of that live, knowing I can ju- give me a mic and I can just make it happen. Mm. So, and I I was the guy that was brought in if there was something happening or some event. Like often I'd go without any script. Be like, oh, that's that's the act and that's the thing. Just just go. We've got to go. So I'd be the guy, grab a mic and just make it happen. Just be able to talk and confidence, right? And yeah, hundred oh, percent. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I faked that for many, many years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and and so and then again, as as time went on, and I was hosting a couple of things on TV. Again, a different genre, but the hosting on TV I knew was wasn't because I yeah maybe because I wanted to do it, but also it was well definitely these days. Like, you know, the recent thing that I was doing, hosting on TV, was more to kind of go, don't forget I host. And then if that, yeah, right. if that yeah. helps push a bit of a profile or a hosting to host an event, mm. that's my, that was my means to an end. So, but I just knew that I could move through that genre of doing yeah. TV hosting and also live hosting as yeah. well. Yeah. Do you find yourself having to still do more public facing roles and productions and shows to stay relevant for your event work? <sighs> I wish I didn't have to, but yes. And that goes back to the fangirl casting that happens sometimes in events. Mm. So I've and, – and I can quite honestly say that, you know, back in 2007 or 8, I had a bigger profile. And I know that. And, I, 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 and I'm sure most people don't tell me, but I'm sure like you guys would get it. I'm sure um, event bookers would get it. The booking agents get it. 
that might get some people going, who's Tim Campbell? Mm. And I get it because I'm Sorry, not. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Just no, 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 no. But, it, no, <laughs> I, but this is the thing. Know your place in, know your place in the market. And mm. that's why I don't charge someone who's like a huge. I'm, I'm not, you know, someone who's hosting night shows. I don't, host, I don't charge their fees or do for MC. So it's knowing your place in the market yeah. as well. Um, and knowing what people what, what people like, but but like I say, but I work a lot. I probably work more than the people that they've just hired in that market. Maybe a, yeah. a costing as well. And and again, the reason why finding finding your price and finding your balance. This is a business. It's an entertainment industry. Mm, so the end, it, it's, it's spent. I probably spend more time in the industry part because the entertainment part I can do quite easily. Watch your bread and so, butter. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the industry parts where I have to concentrate on because that's all the behind the scenes. That's convincing people. You know what? This is going to work this way if we take the event. I know the audience. I know they're sure. You know, some people might know me from socials, maybe from back in home and away, whatever it is. And I get it. And and I understand the commercial sense of that as well. And people want to spend a bit of money. They want to have some kind of notoriety, whatever else. But so so I know where I sit in the market. So I guess my question is, yes, I do. And that's why I have dabbled here and there. You know, I mean. And look, this is an event-focused podcast. And, yeah. Um, you know, you see and meet a lot of event pro- professionals over the years and you work on all sorts of different events. Um, as one of the country's leading entertainers and like someone I love working with, you know, you're so professional and easy to get along with. Um, but what is it that the good event professionals get right that allow you to deliver your best performance in area? You know, what are the areas that frustrate you or impact your work? Um, and you know, where an event might become unstuck. Yeah, sure. Um, what works for me is trust a lot. And, and I love when a, an a, especially event producer, more so than a booking agent, obviously, you know, ties it, gets you together and does all that, but you work hand in hand with an event producer. I love, and, and, and I understand why they may not trust you. You haven't worked with them before, or they've got a really shit house client on their back all the time and yeah. whatever else. So they've got to tick lots of, lots of boxes, but I, I love an event person that trusts me to kind of go out and do my thing for them. And I know that's a hard thing to do because it's not my event. Like it's you guys, you're the ones who are signing the contract with the client. You're, it's you're the ultimate responsibility of it all. So, so I get when that's difficult, but when I can grab a script and I know people do it and they know that when I get a script for an event and, and most pretty much everyone writes out a script word for word, which I get and give me as much information as you want, it's fine. But when I say, can I have it in word doc? Cause I'm just going to, I'll tell you guys I do it in dot point, but most people say, I just want to adjust it for my eyes, yeah. just a font thing. <laughs> what, what I honestly do is probably cut out 80% of that script yeah. mm. and just go, because, you know, at the start, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, it's my honor. It's, my name is Tim Campbell. It's my honor to be MC and here we're here for blah, blah, blah. So I go, dot, welcome. And put, and the event title's already at the top of the page. We've got that, dot, bleh, the next little bit. And, and sure, there might be, a, there might be a quite specific, you know, some wording for the industry itself that I'll keep in and read. Like an intro for it. Yeah, and and also, yeah, this industry is about this and this and this, which is fine. But also, I also know I'm probably the least knowledgeable about the industry than everyone else in in there. So why why am I going to spruik and pretend to be the kind of the the guru and and the biggest kind of knowledgeable person of your industry? Mm. Everyone else there knows it better than me. I'm here to facilitate a great night. So so, so I'll just – I dot point is what my pages are because as far as I'm concerned, all the stuff that happens off the page are the best parts of the night. So, so let's explore that. Let's let's make let that happen. Let's allow that to happen. And do you think your experience allows you to do that I, as well? Because yeah. I mean, you see, yes, other MCs and hosts they want word by word, yeah. and they'll literally sit there a little bit. What we spoke about before, auto cue from the television presenter, just give it to me in a piece of paper because yeah. I'm going to read that thing word for word and not deviate. Yeah, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a different approach. But your approach in terms of that lighthearted, that you know, real charisma and personality your experience allows you to go dot by dot and just fill in the blanks yourself naturally. And it does. And also some people may not want that. Some people might want 
you know, and uh, and I say this as a cliche, like an ABC presenter to present this this awards night tonight because that's the style they want, yeah. and I'm probably not right for that, you know, which is fine as well. So that works. I just for me, I can't. And and look, I will say, I, I if ever I'm in the audience, I I it just does my head in when an MC is buried into a lectern. I, yeah. And sure, sometimes we get the audio screens, but when you're buried in a lectern, you are so disengaged, you've lost them by the first five minutes. Mm. So if you were going to give an event planner, manager, producer, whatever, one piece of advice in working with you, what would that be to make your life easier and maybe the event yeah. more successful? I'd say throw as much information at me as, as as you've got. Like if you want to, if you want to completely script a script, you want to give me the background, give me the brief of, give me the the, the whatever document that you sent initially to get the job, whatever. Just and it's hard to say. Just trust me on the night because where they're basing that trust yeah, on someone's yeah. recommendation. So well, I, it's it's a hard. Who's done it twenty years. Well, yeah. well, yeah. It, it does, but then maybe I've been faking it. You know, maybe, maybe I'm just still <laughs> shit ass. I, I, I don't podcast, know. Tim's been faking it. Yeah, <laughs> correct. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so, like for me, look, this wouldn't would probably wouldn't work for most other people. Like, just just try, just give me the word doc and trust me that I will make. I, I want you to look good. Like, I I don't even want any accolades. I just I want the event to run well. I want the client who's paid a shit ton of money to have a great event for them, especially their employees who are probably on a free ticket and deservedly so. And want them to have an extraordinary night, and I want to help facilitate that as well. Yep. But just let me chuck a bit of flavour in that I think mm. will work. Yeah, yeah, nice. You're about to hit the road with yeah. us uh, <laughs> with your big first national tour together. Uh, pre-sale has been a massive, massive success. So uh, congratulations! Yeah, I thanks. know you're still adding more and more dates as you go. Um, how does such huge interest in in that show? Um, you know, impact your day-to-day event work in terms of your MC and hosting and stuff. Now that that calendar is expanding out, it's it's just a calendar issue, really. Yeah. I mean, as far as timing-wise, you know, the ninety percent behind the scenes to kind of get the tour done and the events that's manageable. Like, you know, let's be honest, you guys work harder than I do, so you know, <laughs> I, I'm cool for timing oh, I and, and I can time manage fairly well. But um, but it's a diary thing. Like, unfortunately, now gigs are coming through in November and October, and not that I'm not available, and I'll make it work. So don't. Don't make sure you always call me, but <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, like basically Fridays and Saturdays in that those months, are, and and they're a pretty heavy event, mm-hmm. you know, months and as well. Months, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but that's, but that's, that's that's this year, and you know, sometimes it's sometimes it's kind of cool to go. Oh, I'm actually really busy, you know. So call me next year, you know. Yeah. I'm very popular. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but um, it's so it's good though. But it also changes it up for us, and this is the first time that Anth and I have toured together ever. We've done a couple of little shows together in Melbourne. Yep. But the first time we've been on the road, he tours. I'd, I'd re- I've probably toured once nationally before this in a concert environment. Oh, yeah. So um, so we're looking forward to it. But, yeah, you're right. Mm. It's, it's it's kind of – it's sold really well. Like there's still some tickets available at yeah. timcampbell.com.au. But <laughs> – but, <laughs> Love it. But, but, uh, but yeah, that's, yeah, it's – um, it's and I look, I think that's for two reasons. One, because Anth always puts on a great concert and – has become a pretty funny guy in his concerts as well with his, his anecdotes and whatever else. So I think it's his ticket audience has always grown every tour he does because yeah. they have a great experience. Plus, yeah, all the shenanigans we did online together. Don't, don't and, sell yourself short though. No, oh no, but I think but I think the stuff that we did online together as well, and oh, also yeah. that I don't tour much. I think that's also well, you know, for an example in Melbourne, like Ants, I think you know, Ant the most Ant did in his last tour, he sold four shows in Melbourne. We're about to put number nine on sale. Yeah. So 
There's, there's, yeah, so have I, have I, say, you, I say five of them no, are me and four of them are him. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You've yeah. reminded him. hundred yeah. percent. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've filled five, you've only filled four. Yeah. When uh, I said there's no jealousy, there's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But I think that it comes back to that. You can see that personal relationship come across on the stage and you guys don't yeah. hold back and whether it's social media or the way you perform and stuff. And so people relate and they buy in and I think that's testament to you guys. It's not like I'm just coming to watch some performer on stage. No. Just, you know, does their songs and disappears. It's like I feel like I'm part of the show as an audience member. And I suppose in particular this one, we've caught up close and unpredictable because it will be a bit unpredictable yeah. at times and it, it is it's a music concert you know Anne's doing songs I'm doing songs from a couple of those musicals in the past yeah. and even Australia's Wonderland songs so it's okay. a bit of yeah. bit loosely autobiographical but when we come together and do a few duets and if, if you watch us on social media the, the, I'll just say the bathrobes are coming out and there's a few little <laughs> kind of mime scenes happening as well nice. so yeah it's changing yeah, the shows up are you challenging yourself a bit though on this tour to do do something you haven't done before or? um Maybe something, a couple of things I haven't done for a long time, right? And yeah. especially at the age of forty-seven, and all forty-eight by the time the tour happens. So, yeah, gravity's taken over a lot, and we'll see. If it's, we'll see if it still works. <laughs> those those pants are still pretty tight cool. when you get up on. So. Oh, 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 always, yeah. yeah. Without giving away those details. But the tight pants. Yeah, uh, what religion I am? Yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure some of our listeners would be interested to know. You know, some of the process involved in creating a show like this. You know, it's uh, you know we're talking about event industry. We're talking about touring uh, and concerts. How active uh, are you in in all those elements? You know, for the production and the marketing and the touring and the venues and the music direction and and how does that process work for you for you guys? Um, I guess because I'm such a tight ass that um, <laughs> we're doing a lot of it ourselves, <laughs> and and we've all you know, look. I say, but we've, we've also been very hands on with our work as it is anyhow in the past. And again, you know, uh, there's strength that Anth has and strength that I ha- I have, and 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 even look to be honest, he's always. I mean, we're promoting this tour, which means that we pay for you know the hiring of the venue. We pay for everything. It's it's our it's our. Are you producing it effectively? Yeah, yeah. like it's it's our financial risk. This tour, yeah. and we've uh, I've done that a few times with Anth, and and behind the scenes, like. His, you know, his George Michael tour and a couple of the tours, like I put that together. I mm. booked the venues, I did the finance, I did the booking of the travel and all that, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we're pretty, and we're still doing that as well. We're pretty hands on. I'm about to show him the credit card bill that I've been spending <laughs> the last few months. <laughs> it's about That's to fall right. off his chair, but yeah. But, um, but I mean, look again, finance background. My, yeah. my dad's an accountant. Of dad's, yeah, dad, and, and, yeah. I, and I also, I was almost an accountant. Yeah, like yeah. I was, I was a maths nerd at school too. So I, so I get this stuff thankfully. Um, Mate, I was an accountant. So, you were, yeah, four years I was an accountant. Oh, before, right. before I ended up even anywhere near this industry. So, but they're great skills. Oh, well, yeah. I, I almost had a cadet with Deloitte's. Like oh. I did the exams and yeah, and really? had a four year cadet with Deloitte's. That's what I did. Yeah. Gonna, oh, you did it? Yeah, I did the cadet ship. Oh, so, right. Yeah, yeah, different firm, but uh, yeah, yeah, and they, they pay for uni and everything and whole lot. Wow. Yeah, so, but uh, then I saw. I know. Nerding out here. Oh, totally we just, yeah. So about three, three years in, I, I saw a light and realised it might be a train coming straight for me and I was like, get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting there in a suit and tie. Anyway. I, think I, I went and did Bachelor of Business at uni and four weeks later I went, I'm not paying my hex. I'll yeah. get out before the hex kicks <laughs> in. <laughs> no. um, where do you see career going next? You know, it's sort of, I mean, you get to this point, you know, you're always on stage or, or do you have some other interest areas you'd like to pursue in the future? It, when when I'm about to get off the stage, because you know these knees aren't gonna, can't do footloose forever, um, so and I think I've said this to you recently. I the event world is probably I reckon where I see myself because I'm see it. I'm yeah. really passionate about it. I'm, I'm really, hiring too, if you were great, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and also and I I can also see myself like I get how important it is you know for for the room and hiring the room and the centerpieces and all that. My obviously passion is producing the stage, and not just performing, but producing the awards and producing the the AV and the, all the screens and all that kind of stuff. And I know the 
I know the work that has to go into that as well, dealing with judges and the yeah. client and, you know, this and that and the other. Well, like you said before, you've already been doing most of it anyway. So well, yeah. in some way, shape or form, it's just that you haven't physically put the hat on with yeah. the lights over the front of it saying this is what I do. There has yeah. been smaller clients or even people who do in-house who self-produce, you know, mm. the EA is producing an event. I go, can I just give you a bit of advice and come in to do this and run it? Yeah. Um, so, look, that, that, that's in the future. At the moment, while they, while people are still calling me and asking me to come up and do it, I'll, I'll continue doing that. Look, it might, might be able to do both, but I kind of feel like if I do go into that realm, I will pull back a lot. Yeah. Like I'll kind of make a shift. So that's the focus and yeah. that's my identity and that's what I do. Righto, let's get into it. This is our favourite part, mate. Oh. Uh, this is uh, Buzz's rapid fire questions. Oh, let me have a sip of champagne. Have a sip of champagne yeah, have a and uh, stand by for, for, uh, for Buzz to do his work. Go for it, mate. Uh, but before I get into these, so 2025, is that when we do our rock ballad together? 100%. Like, are you working on it? Of course, yes, daily. See, now you sing yeah. too. See, we're all no, no, today. no, no, no. <laughs> Maybe, oh, you're no. the dancer. That's <laughs> no, no. the last thing you need. That's no. why they empty the room. <laughs> all right, so let's get into it. Rapid fire questions, yep. quick answers, no mucking around. Cool. Okay, favorite concert you've attended? Uh, John Farnham, Age of Reason. Oh, yes. Nice. Very good. Wasn't expecting that. Mm. What a singer, right? That's oh, awesome. Jesus. Unbelievable. Yeah. All right, so what song gets you going in the car? <sighs> At the moment, I'm obsessed by a singer called Glennis Grace, um, and she was part of this Ladies of Soul. So I jump onto her, and it's not it's not always up tempo. She's you know I, I am gay, so I like a big note, and <laughs> lots of vibrato. So um, so I'm, I'm yeah. She, I, if I need it, like I had to do a couple of regional gigs recently, I just watch listen to her albums over and over again, and yeah, feel great, awesome. Nice. I'm still hanging to see her live. All so right. you said one word answer, great. Yeah, no, here, here we are. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. I'll, I'll condense these now. Here's a quick one. What's your go-to cocktail at home? It is a cosmopolitan. Oh. It, it often well espresso martini to start because you got to line the you know and coffee. I don't drink. Wait, co- I actually don't drink coffee. Okay, but so I line the stomach because it's it's fine and line the throat. But then cosmopolitan and they they're creepers. <laughs> Jeez, I'm an asshole after five, but it tastes good. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's great. Again, wasn't expecting that. All, good. all right, Tim. Thanks, mate. It's uh, it's been a privilege to chat. Thank oh, you very much. It's, it's not uh, a privilege at all, but thank you. It's always, uh, <laughs> no, it's always nice to, to sit. And I mean, we don't often get the chance to actually no. talk about life. It's always you know events and and gig to gig and what we're doing, and uh, which is always fun. Uh, generally, over a few drinks, but it's been nice to actually take the time and sit down and have a a good heart to heart, as and they how, say. And how good to sit for an hour and not look at your phone. Yeah, yeah, one's off. Yeah, That's what I mean, like it's great. Actually, just talk. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Like I say, if we could, but I, look, I and I don't often and don't even like talking a lot about my past. I just kind of like living today, live for today. But it's kind of it is nice to go back to kind of, I guess with you guys especially who I've got to know. And I, you know, I know Brad for a lot longer over time just through through experience. But um, you know, just to know everyone's everyone's got a story. Everyone's yeah. got their past where you've come from. We've all you know we discover we're both nerdy accountants <laughs> exactly. in the past, yeah. and that oh, could have been a whole and stage performer. And no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, backstage. Mate. I did one no, but show I've seen, on stage. I've seen Brad on stage a few times. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, don't even go there. <laughs> That's a story for a whole other podcast again. Oh, yeah. So, karaoke bar. No, no. This clown got me up in front of about a thousand people and said I was a high roller from Hong Kong that had flown in on Melbourne Cup Day in front of <laughs> a thousand women who then gravitated for the rest of the afternoon. And it was quite embarrassing. And they made me do the catwalk up and down. It was not. <laughs> That's yeah, good. anyway. He that's actually is. I don't lie. I don't lie. Yeah. That's good. Oh, yeah. I loved every second. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> no, thank you so much, no, Tim. Thanks, really thank appreciate you. it. Thank congrats on the, on the podcast. This is awesome. Thanks for listening to An Event for Life. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to listen to more episodes. I'm Brad. And I'm Shane. And this podcast is produced by EOS Creative. See you next time on An Event for Life.